Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Everybody, happy 4th of July weekend. I don't know what Pastor Doby was talking about. He's the one out there blowing stuff up all day at my house. And his grandkids have to go to him and say, Papa, calm down, take it easy. No, he's the one inside the house with the ear, uh, the earplugs in. Hopefully you have a great, uh, a great day tomorrow. Whatever you've got planned, hanging out with family, friends, be safe. Uh, everybody, hopefully you, you came in with 10 digits this morning. Hopefully next week you come back with 10 digits as well. Be safe, uh, but, but enjoy. A couple things that I want to highlight before we get into God's Word. Number one, uh, if you missed anything in the buzz, they're, they're always uh, on the app. You can download our app for all of our events. We've got VBS coming up. So parents, if you haven't registered your kids for VBS, that starts next Monday. That'll be from Monday to Thursday, 9 a.m. to noon. Make sure that when you pick up your kids today, you stop by and make sure you get them signed up and registered for VBS. Also, the, the next term of discipleship starts uh, in a couple of weeks. That's coming up, and, and Bill Jordan's teaching a DBS class, how to study the Bible as we're going through the Bible reading plan, as Pastor Doby mentioned. And if you're reading through it and, and you're not understanding or you're not grasping, you know that you're leaving more on the table, and the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you. If, if, if you want to learn how to get into God's Word, but more importantly, how to let God's Word get into you, would encourage you to come on out Wednesday night. If you need some emotional intelligence, and Know somebody that needs some emotional intelligence. We've got you and them covered. And so, so bring them out on Wednesday for that as well. But, but one announcement that I want to make that was not in the buzz. Uh, many of you know, and I've talked about it, we're a part of a, a network of churches in the Omaha metro area called Within Reach. It's about 40 different churches cross-denominational lines. There's Catholic churches, there's non-denominational, there's evangelical, there's Lutheran churches. And, and what we do is, is as the, the body of Christ, because it's not about a particular church. It's not about a church, it's about the church. And it's not about a denomination, but we all are covered under the blood of Christ. And now there's no Jew or Gentile slave or free male or female, but we've all been baptized into the family of God. And we all have a mission and uh, a purpose for what he's called us and placed us in our city for such a time as this. And so we get together with the, the goal of unleashing compassion, of reaching the lost, of planting churches, of developing leaders. And, and, and this year we're doing something different. We, we've, we've been privileged with the ability to partner with Barna. And many of you know the, the Barna group, they, they do research and, and they do polls and, and study different communities and they have selected with, with some of our, our nudging, they have selected as Omaha as one of the cities that they're going to come into to kind of just put the finger on the pulse of our city, not just the church, but our community that needs to know Jesus as well. And so they're going to be studying over the next year the, the effectiveness of the church, how, how the church does in terms of outreach, those that need to know Jesus in our city, where, where are they at and, and what are they looking for, what do they need. And so as part of this project, what we are doing is every church is being asked to, to have 15 to 20 volunteers to simply go out into our neighborhood and, and we're calling it a listening tour. We're not going door to door to, to pass out tracks or to, to tell them to turn or burn or to, to anything like that. But what we're, what we're doing is we're simply knocking on doors and, and having a conversation with these individuals in our community, asking very simple questions like, what do you love about our city? How do you know there are things that, that we should love about Omaha, Nebraska? There are things that I love about my city. 
And so we're going to ask them, what do you love about our city? What do you not so much love about our city? What are some of the needs that you see in our city? And we're just going to ask them questions to get some of their feedback so that we can go back and, and kind of compile this. And the, the end goal of this project is to, a year from now, identify three or four core needs in our city that we as the church, not just Dream City and not just LifeGate and not just Westside and not just all of these other churches, but as the Big C Church of Omaha, as the believers in Christ in our city, what are the big needs that we can come together and meet? What can we do if we pooled resources? What could we do if we linked arms? What could we do if we fought alongside each other to see, to see hope unleashed in our city and see compassion unleashed in a way that it's never been unleashed before? And so we need volunteers to, that, that are willing to, to be able to go and have some of those conversations in the neighborhoods around the church. And so if you're interested in that, if, if the Holy Spirit's kind of nudging you today, Pastor Andre's gonna be out in the foyer after service. Make sure you stop and have a conversation with him. He'll let you know uh, more of the details and what that entails and what that's looking like. So just want to drop that in as well. Want to say welcome to all of our guests. If you're new here in person or if you're watching online, my name is Pastor John. Me and my wife Angel have the honor of serving. And if you're wondering what is Dream City all about, we're, we're really about helping all people from all places walk in the freedom and fullness found in abundant life in Christ. Yeah helping you live John 10, 10, because Jesus said that he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We want to help you unlock that abundant life. Are you ready for the word today? All right, now that I've taken up all my time and Pastor Doby's taken up all my time, and how many of you appreciate Pastor Doby? Our founding, our founding pastor, like, man... Have you ever seen those videos where like those street performers and those hip hop artists, they'll go and somebody will just tell them one word and they'll rap about this one word an entire verse. They'll freestyle rap. Like if ever there was somebody that could just freestyle preach, right? Like pull something out of your pocket. He'll preach you a three point sermon on whatever the lint that you find in your pocket. He will find some way to connect it to God's word. We've been reading through the Bible chronologically together and we've been We've been in the Old Testament, we've been, we've been looking at the history of the nation of Israel, we've read King David, we've read about King Solomon, we've read through, through First Kings, and, and we're getting into Second Kings now, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, and the history of this nation that has been set apart by God and for God. Way back in Genesis, he told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will be your God and you will be my people. And we've seen how that as they've, they've been delivered from Egypt, taken into the promised land, they're in the cycle of do good, do bad, of obedience and disobedience, of blessing and cursing, of favor and God removing his favor and bringing persecution. And, and they, they're, they're in this cycle. And as they're in this cycle, the, there are kings that do good, there are kings that do bad. And as you've read this week, you've seen both. As we've been reading through the, the history of the nation that has now been split in two because you have the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah and they're in civil war and then there is peace and then there's war and then there's peace and then kings do right in God's side and then they worship false idols and you see prophets who are raised up because in that day, the, 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 the presence of God and the word of the Lord would come through a prophet. 
And the prophet was the go-between between God and the king. And he would come to the king and say, either king, you're doing what is right in God's sight. And, and if you keep doing it, God will continue to bless you as we saw last week. Or he says, king, what you're doing is wrong and God is going to, to punish you for that. He's going to punish the nation. And so we've seen men like Elijah who stood on Mount Carmel and challenged the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven. And, and this week, as we continue reading, we, we've seen how that, that Elijah has chosen his successor, Elisha. And now Elijah has been taken up into heaven by a chariot of fire, and Elisha picks up the, the mantle of the man of God, and he now is the, the prophet to the nation of Israel. Today, as we, we get into our, our text, 2 Kings chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 7, and here's what the Bible says. It says that one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Elisha responds in verse 2, and he says, What can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another, and soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, now sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that that over the next few moments, you would help me to, to communicate clearly that which you have placed in my heart to communicate today. Lord, that these would not be my words, but your words. I pray that you would anoint each and every one of us here, anoint our ears to hear, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but, but God, as your word takes root in our hearts and in our lives, that we would be doers of your word as well. I thank you that there are so many things that we see in this text, but but God, we thank you that you are a God of provision. That if we would come to you with, with our needs and we would make our requests known to you with the right motives and the, the right heart posture, we thank you that you hear us. God, today there are many that are here in this place and there are many that are watching online and there are many who will watch later this week who, who are in a place where they feel empty. They're in a place where there's there's seemingly nothing that they can do. They're at their wit's end with no other options. I thank you, Lord, that it's in those times where, where we have no option. And all we can do is turn to you that that's what you're just waiting for us to do. Lord, I pray that, that we would all be encouraged by your word today. I pray that we would all be strengthened by your word today. I pray that we would all be challenged by your word today. We love you. We thank you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Have you ever been at a place where you just felt empty? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about running out of gas on the side of the road empty. I'm talking about in your life, it feels like you are stuck in a dry place where Murphy has had his way and everything that 
can go wrong, has gone wrong. Anybody ever, anybody ever experienced Murphy's Law in your life? The old saying, when it rains, it what? It pours. You ever felt like Truman in the Truman Show? You're sitting on the beach of life and there's just, it seems like the only person that it's raining on is you. And you take a step to the left and it's still raining. And you take a step to the right and it's still raining. You ever been at your wit's end? To be at your wit's end, I looked it up. To be at your wit's end means to be so exhausted by the problems and the challenges that you face that you literally have nothing else to do. There's nothing left to do. At your wit's end, you, 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 you're in this moment where you're out of resources and you're out of options and life has hit you from, from every different direction and every side and the doctor has called and he's told you the, the diagnosis and that there's really no options to treat. You've come home and your wife has packed up everything and the kids and she's gone. You, you, you apply to the school that you want and they, they write you back and say, nope, sorry, there's no hope for you. You're not getting in. You, you, you try and attempt something, but you, you fail and it doesn't work out the way that you want. And now you have nothing to show for it. You're at this place where you're at your wit's end. I'm not talking about being stranded on the side of the road with a flat tire because I mean, you know, sometimes like the littlest things can just set us off. I'm not talking about just being tired because when you're tired, you take a nap and you wake up and you feel better. But when you're empty, you wake up and you're as empty waking up as you were going to bed. It's like that moment in Star Wars. Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back. You know the Empire Strikes Back? Luke and Vader were fighting. And Luke is hanging on by a thread and he's fighting Darth Vader and Darth Vader cuts his hand off. And he's hanging on by, by one little pole. And Darth Vader says, did Obi-Wan tell you what happened to your father? Luke says, you killed my father. What does Darth Vader says? He says, no, I am your father. And Luke lets out this guttural scream. No, right? Like a little whiny kid. No. And he has no other option. He can come to the dark side and take a step towards Darth. He can try and fight him and end up, but what does he do? He lets go and falls magically into one little pipe <laughs> at the bottom of the Star Destroyer. And we're in that, we're, we're, when we're in that moment, it can feel like there's no hope, like there's nothing for us to do. And this woman finds herself in one of those positions. Her husband is dead. He was a, a prophet. He was a student of Elisha's. And, and there's so many things in this text, but she comes to him and she says, my husband is dead. My, my provision is dead. My security is dead. My standing in the community is gone. I have nothing to show for, for my name. My, my cupboards are empty. The, the car's been repossessed. The house is in foreclosure. The bank account is empty. I literally have nothing. And now the bank is coming to take my two kids as collateral. I have nothing to, there, there, there's no options. I have no, there's nothing that I can do. It's interesting to me that, that we see this woman come and she says, my husband served you as you served Elijah. And as we've read through the chronological plan, we, we saw how that Elijah came to Elisha, threw his mantle on him, and for a period of time, Elisha followed Elijah learned from him, studied under him. And when it was time for the mantle to be placed, he, he picked it up. Now, Elisha, as one who was a student, has students 
of his own. I read that and my question to you is who are you learning from? Whose student are you? Are you a student of the scripture? Are you a student of God's word? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you? Do you have spiritual mentors in your life that are pouring into you? Because we all need somebody to help pull out of us what God has placed inside of us. Say that again. There are things that God has placed inside of you that you need somebody to help pull out what God has placed in. She comes to Elisha and says, my husband is dead. We see this conversation over seven short verses, but it's one of my favorite passages of scripture, a conversation not between Elisha and his successor, but the wife of his successor. She says, you know my, you know my husband, you remember him, you know that he loved God, you know that he served you, you know that he was a man of God. Listen, sir, you know you're a man of God when your wife says you're a man of God. You might think you've got it all together. Let me ask your wife. There was one time me and Angel were arguing. I mean, we were having a discussion. It wasn't an argument. <laughs> we're having a conversation. You know, because we don't, we don't argue, but we do discuss things. And, and I had ended the conversation very abruptly and let her know I was done talking. I'm done discussing this. And she goes, oh, that's it? You're done? I said, yeah, I'm done. And she looked at me. She goes, way to be a man of God, John, and just turned and walked away. <laughs> Like, listen here, woman, woman, way to be a man of God. But she comes and she says, my husband was, was a man of God. And by the time Elisha shows up, the bank account's empty. The cupboards are empty. She has nothing to do. She's lost everything. Elisha comes on the scene and she reminds him of who her husband was. So many interesting things and so many interesting nuances in this passage of scripture because she doesn't come to Elisha and say, you remember me. She comes to Elisha and she says, you remember my husband. She says, you know who my husband was. She doesn't come in her name. She comes in the name of her husband. And why does she do that? I think she, she does that to try and create this emotional connection between herself and the man of God. And if I can get him to connect me with who my husband was, then maybe he'll move on my behalf and God will show up and God will do something. But she doesn't come in her name. She comes in the name of her husband. I'm thankful that as the bride of Christ, that we don't have to come to God in our name. Come on, that there is a bridegroom in whose name we can come. Jesus himself said, if you ask anything in whose name, that's what he says. He says, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. Why? So that the father can be glorified. You don't have to come in your name. The same way this woman came in the name of her husband as the body of Christ and as the bride of Christ, we can come in the name of the bridegroom. We see so many things in the scripture. There's, there's several things that I want to pull out of the text today and I want to encourage you with. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I really want you to write this down. The first thing that I want to pull out is, is the fact that God will always use what you already have. If you come into this place or you're watching online and, and you're at this position where you don't know what to do, where you don't, you, you've ran out of resources and you've ran out of options and you're not sure how you're going to make it. And maybe you're at that place now. Maybe you've been there in the past. Maybe you don't know it, but around the next corner in your life, you will be there yourself. 
If you're here today and you're like, you know what, Pastor John, I can't relate to that. I don't need to take notes. I don't need to listen to this message. You do because the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Here was a woman whose husband was a man of God and yet he died early. How do you know it was early? Because he was one of Elisha's students. And the man of God is still walking around and yet her husband met an untimely end. We're not told how, but we know that it was, it was early. Even as a man of God, death found him. And so you don't know what's around the next corner in life. But you need to understand that when you need God to move, when you need God to show up and you're, you're waiting on God to do something in your home and in your heart and in your life and in your finances and in your body, God will always use what you already have. Stop looking around to all the things you've lost and start looking at the things that you have. Verse two, Elisha asks her, what can I do to help? And he says, tell me, what do you have in the house? You need to underline that. You need to highlight that in your app. What do you have in the house? Another chapter four, verse two, Exodus chapter four, verse two, we see Moses standing at the burning bush and the Lord asks Moses, what is that in your hand? God is always asking you, what is in your hand? What is in the house? Why? Because God will always use what you already have. Your miracle will always begin with what you, what you already have. Stop trying to get more so that God can use you. Stop trying to acquire and accumulate and figure out a way well, if I would just get that promotion, then God could use me. If I would get that raise, then God could use me. Then God could do something in my life. Once God brings that man into my life, then I can be used by God if and when. Stop asking what and focusing on what you don't have and start asking yourself, what do I have right now? He will always use the things in your life that you've stepped over and overlooked. What have you disregarded as meaningless? What have you disregarded as worthless? What have you disregarded in your life as non-important? Those are the very things that God wants to use. Several years ago, we had a guest speaker come and he lived in Florida. So we did, we did the Christian thing. We brought a man from Florida to speak in Nebraska the third week of January. And he's only right. Why wait till the summer? Like, no, you're coming in the dead of winter. <laughs> he came up and Pastor Dobie was hosting him, driving him around. It was Pastor Alan Griffin. Many of you know Alan Griffin. He was just with us not that long ago. And, uh, and when he came up, he, he, was, he was riding around with Pastor Dobie. Pastor Dobie didn't have remote start in his car. How many of you guys have remote start in your car? How many of you wish you had remote start? First world problems, right? Like, so he, he didn't have remote start. So, so one day... Without Pastor Doby knowing it, he took Pastor Doby's truck. He had one of the interns take Pastor Doby's truck and get a remote start installed on it. Dad had, now has remote start. He said, all you have to do is you push this button once and you push this button twice. Those of you that have remote start, you know, on your little remote, there's this, this little button with an arrow and it says times two. And you push that twice and what happens? Your car, if it's in range, just fires right up. And what was funny was that my mom looked at her remote for her car. 
And she says, let me see your remote. So dad showed her his remote. He says, you just push this button. It has the circle and the two. And she says, well, my remote has one of those buttons, but I don't know what it does. <laughs> How long had you had the car? Three years. Three years. For three years, she had been complaining that she didn't have a remote start on her car. For three years, she had been walking out in the cold to warm up her car. For three years, she was posting on Facebook, because that's what we do, right? And she says, well, my remote has one of those buttons. What happens when I push this button? And she pushed it. And what do you know? Her car started right up. And she said, if I would have known that I had this three years ago, right? How many of you ever been there? It's those things that we overlook. It's those things that, that we, just, we just pass over and we, we think that that's nothing. Are the very things that God wants to use. Stop, stop passing stuff off and stop shoving stuff in the back of the closet of your life saying that that's not important and that's not, that doesn't mean anything and God can't use that because the very things that you say God can't use are the things that God has placed inside of you and in your hands so that he can use. God will always use what you already have. She comes to Elisha and she tells Elisha what she's lost. I've lost my husband. I've lost my, my finances. I've lost my security. I've lost my standing. And Elisha redirects her attention and says, but what do you still have? Some of you need to stop going to God with a list of all the people who have hurt you and all the people who have wronged you and all the people who have left you and all the things that you don't have and all the things your life is missing and start going to God with the things that you have with you and saying, God, how can you use this? God doesn't want to hear about the things that you've lost because he won't use the things that you've lost. He'll use the things that you still have. He says, what do you have? And here's the woman's response. She says, nothing at all. I have nothing. I've lost everything. There's not a bowl in my cupboard. There's not a fork in my drawer. There's nothing in my house. Really, there's nothing. Yeah, nothing. It's completely empty. You've got nothing. I've got nothing except a flask of oil. So you, you do have something. Yeah, but it's nothing. See, what you call nothing, God calls something. It might be nothing in your hand, but it's everything in God's hand. What you perceive to be nothing and what you perceive to be ordinary, you need to understand that it might be, it might be ordinary in your hand, but ordinary is never just ordinary when it's placed in God's hand. Your ordinary becomes extra ordinary. becomes extraordinary when you place it in the hand of God. You need to understand that. He comes to Moses and he says, what is that in your hand? Moses says, it's just a stick. It's a shepherd's staff. Just throw it on the ground. Throws it on the ground. What happens? Comes a snake. And if I was Moses, I'd have ran. You guys already know that. Becomes a snake. And God says, pick it up. Excuse me. Pick it up. He picks up the snake, turns back into a staff. Later on, he says, stand on that rock and hold out that staff. Parts the Red Sea. 
So take that staff, hit that rock. Water comes out. Oh, there's a battle going on in the valley? Hold up that staff. The victory is given. A staff in Moses' hand is just a, a tool to shepherd some sheep. But that ordinary place in God's hand becomes extraordinary real quick. Disciples are like, Jesus, feed them. What do you have? We only have five loaves and a couple fish. Perfect. Bring it to me. Why? You're not going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with just this one little combo meal from Long John Silver's? Like, that's, there's, there's no, like, we're going to need, we're going to need a lot more Uber Eats, Jesus, because this isn't going to do it. He says, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish. Bring it to me. Why? Because placed in his hand, the miracle happens. Placed in his hand and under his blessing, he breaks it and everybody eats. Everybody eats and there's 12 baskets left over. How many disciples were there? 12. Why didn't Jesus have a basket? Was Jesus not hungry? Reminds me of John chapter 4 when he's having the conversation with the woman at the well and they come back with some Chipotle and they're like, give some to Jesus. And he's like, no, I'm not hungry. I'm good. I said, did somebody feed you? Did you have a Lunchable in your robe that we didn't know about? Like, he says, no, my, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. You do. So here, let me bless you. Let me give it to you. Placed in Jesus's hand, your ordinary always becomes extraordinary. Let's continue in the text because now Elisha says, what do you have? Just a flask of oil. Elisha says to her, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's the plan. Here's the plan for your miracle. Here's the plan to save the future of your children. Here is the plan for your security. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Uh, you mean full jars? No, I mean empty jars. Borrow as many empty jars, but, but why would I borrow empty jars? Because empty jars have no value. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Some of you need to shut the door on some things in your life. <laughs> I'm not going to take a whole lot of time here because those of you that know it, you already know it. Some of you need to shut the door on some relationships. Some of you need to shut the door on some naysayers. Some of you need to shut the door on a season. Some of, some of you need to, need to shut the door on the lies that the enemy has been telling you. You need to shut the door on all that nonsense. It says go in and, and shut the doors, but don't do it before you borrow as many empty vessels as you can. And she says, but I'm, I'm already empty and you want me to get more empty? If they were full, I could do something with them. Why would you want me to borrow more empty? Because you need to understand that empty is what God values. Some of you, some of you have been waiting for God to move. And the reason that God can't move in your life is because you are not empty enough. She says, I have nothing except a, a little flask of some oil. I'm empty. I'm broken. I'm broke. The creditors are coming to take my kids. I don't know what to do. And he says, go get more empty. Could you imagine those boys <laughs> going door to door? 
Have you ever sent your kid next door to borrow a cup of sugar? Yeah. You ever sent them to borrow a little bit of milk? Neighbor answers the door. Hey, sweetie, how can I help you? Um, I need an empty milk carton. You, need, you mean you need some milk? No, no, mama said it had to be empty. Baby, why do you need empty? I don't know. The man of God just told mama and mama told me. And so now I just need whatever empty jars you have. And the neighbors knew. The neighbors knew the situation they were in. This doesn't make any sense. But the man of God says, borrow. Now that's interesting. He didn't say go and ask for he said, borrow. You only borrow something when you're intending to give it back. You only borrow something for a temporary period of time. See, when God said borrow, he was saying, your miracle is coming quicker and sooner than you think. You don't need to keep those jars very long. Just go and borrow them. He said, borrow empty jars. And so the boys come back with empty jars. Why? Because God always values empty. It's not when we come to God so full. It's not when we come to God so full of, of knowledge and so full of information and so full of scripture and so full of revelation and so full of religion and so full of spirituality. That's not, that's not what God values. What God values is we come when we come to him and we say, God, I'm empty. God, there's nothing in my tank. God, I've, I've, I've exhausted the scriptures that I know and I've, I've written them on my bathroom window and I've written them in my car and I've written them at work and they're on my computer screen and I've done everything that I know to do and I've talked to everyone I know to talk to, but God, I'm empty and I have nothing and I don't know what to do. That's when God says, now I can move in your life. Now I can do something. It's not when you're full. See, as humans, we don't value empty things. We want full things because to us, it's about the content. To God, it's about the vessel. We go to a gas station. We don't go into a gas station and buy empty gas cans. What is an empty gas can going to do when my truck is on empty? Nothing. I want gas. Guy says, no, just go borrow empty because it's not about the contents. It's about the vessel. The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, Judges chapter 6. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's there threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid and he's desperate. And the Midianites, and they're stealing and they're murdering and they're killing and we're in hiding. And you're telling me the Lord is with you. If the Lord is with us, why is this happening? And I ain't no mighty warrior because my tribe is just a half a tribe to begin with. And my clan is the weakest in our tribe and I'm the lowest in my family. And God says, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Because that's exactly what I specialize in. If you feel like you're the lowest, then understand you are exactly what God is looking for. If you come in today or you're watching online, you feel empty. Know that that is the, the prerequisite for God moving in your life. If you come in and you are feeling desperate and your plan B is gone and your contingencies have run out and you just need God to do something, you need to understand that desperation is a prerequisite for a move of God. It's not when you have all the answers. It's not when you have it all figured out. It's not when, when you've got it mapped out. It's when you come to God and say, God, I don't know what we're doing. 
See, some of you aren't seeing God move because you're so full. Some of you aren't seeing God move because you're not desperate enough. We're not seeing God move in our churches because we're not desperate. We've gotten comfortable. We're not desperate enough. We're so full of celebrity pastors and celebrity worship groups and so full of programs and so full of lights and so full of this and so full of that and so full of ourselves that we're not seeing God move in a real way because we've forgotten what it means to be desperate for a move of God. We've forgotten what it looks like to lay out prostrate on the ground in God's presence, just crying out to him because God, if you don't do something, I don't know what, what's going to happen. God, we need you to move, but we're not desperate enough. You want God to move in your family, then get desperate. You want God to move in your kids' lives, then get desperate. We're so full of our lukewarm, non-productive living to allow God's room to move in us and through us. Do you need God to move in your life? You don't need to ask how full you are. You need to ask how empty you are. Because God values empty things. So she brings the jars inside. And as she brings the jars inside, the text tells us that she takes her little flask, and, and I'm sure her and the boys were standing there and looking at this room full of emptiness, this room full of empty jars, and <laughs> somehow I'm supposed to fit all of this into all of this. And she takes what little she does have and she begins to pour it. And as she begins to pour, it's like Pastor Doby said earlier, it's, it's as you pour out that when your faith meets and encounters the provision of God that your miracle begins to happen. And it's as she pours out, it reminds me of John chapter 2, the wedding in Cana, Jesus' first miracle. The wine was all gone. Mary comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you better do something. Jesus is like, it's not my time yet. And she looked at the servants and she says, he's going to do something. And whatever he does, because I told him to do something. So whatever he does, you better do it. So he says, take these jars and fill them with water. They fill them with water. He says, now take some of it. What is it? It's water. Take a pitcher of it and go serve the master of ceremonies. And I can imagine that servant scoops out some water from that jar and he looks at Jesus and he says, go serve him. But just do it. And he goes and he pours it into the glass of the master of ceremonies and the water becomes wine. When? When it was poured out. She pours out the oil she has and it begins to fill one jar. <laughs> I don't want to remind you of that scene in Dumb and Dumber. Or that he was filling up jars and needed another one. <laughs> this jar is getting full. I need another one. So they bring another jar and she starts filling another jar. And this jar is getting full. I need another one. And they bring her another jar. And her boys are, are in this, this dance between moving the full jars and bringing her empty jars. And she's just standing there holding her flask, pouring it out. And and as she's pouring it out, the olive oil is being multiplied and jars are being filled. The miracle happened when she began to pour. 
She gets to a point where she says, bring me another one. Bring me, bring me another empty vessel. Bring me another jar. And they say, Mama, there's no more empty jars. Here's what the Bible says. When there was no more empty jars, then the oil stopped flowing. When did the oil stop flowing? When there was no more empty. Had she had other empty jars, would the, would the oil have continued? Absolutely. Without a doubt. The only reason the oil stopped is because she ran out of empty. You need to understand today that God can only fill empty vessels. He can only fill empty things. It's only when you come to God and you empty yourself. See, we're not seeing God move in our lives because we're so full. We're so full of pride and we're so full of anger and we're so full of bitterness and we're so full of lust and we're so full of greed and we're so full of envy and we're so full of ourselves and we're so full of unforgiveness and we're so full of religion and we're so full of our successes and we're so full of our resources and we're so full of our understanding and we're so full of our knowledge and our wisdom and what we have in, 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 in our stuff and we're so full of us that God can't fill us and we come into church and it's like, God, fill me, God, move, God, I need you to touch me and he's like, I have resources that I wanna give you, but I can't fill you because you're so full of other things. You're so full of yourself. Your pride is keeping you from a move of God that you've been crying out for. Church, your religion is keeping you from a move of God that you've been praying for decades for. Stop trying to fill your jar with so much that you can present to God and start asking, how can I empty myself so that God can fill me? The oil didn't stop until the vessels were full. The extent to which God will move in your life is directly proportionate to your level of empty. How empty are you today? How much room have, have you brought him? How much access have you given him? God, help us. Let's not be so full of ourselves. But in humility, come to God and, and empty, empty the cares of the world. Empty the pride of life. Empty the lust of the flesh. Empty the hurt from the past. Empty the successes that we've been hanging our hats on. Empty the resources that we've been leaning on and trusting in. May we empty all of these things that keep us from being in a place of dependence and desperation in God. She comes to the man of God and she says, look at what happened and let's go to the, the next verse. Let's continue the story. She told the man of God what happened. Here's what he says to her. He says, now sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Sell the oil, pay your debts, and 
you and your sons can live on what is left over. She came to him asking for her debts to be paid. She came to him asking if the year of Jubilee could come a little bit early. She came to him with a problem, and God didn't just solve her problem, but God blessed her moving forward. God didn't just give her what she asked for. He gave her what she asked for and then some. Jesus, when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he didn't just heal her physically, but he said, daughter, he spoke to her identity because he knew the pain that she was really carrying wasn't a physical pain. It was an emotional pain. It was a spiritual pain. It was a pain in understanding her identity and who she was. See, God doesn't just want to give you what you are asking for or what you perceive that you need, but God wants to bless you beyond your expectations. Malachi chapter three, if you would be obedient in the tithe, then I would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you can't contain. Then your crops, I'll protect your crops from insects and disease. Your, your grapes won't fall off the vine before they, they are ripe and all the nations of the world will call you blessed. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, all glory to God through his mighty power at work within us is able to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. You've been coming to God and saying, God, I need you to do this, and God wants to do so much more if you would but just empty yourself out, come to him empty, come to him broken, stop trusting in yourself, stop trusting in your employer, Stop trusting in what you know. Stop looking for that relationship. Stop trying to make it happen on your own. Stop coming up with contingency plans. Stop coming up with plan B and B1 and B2 and C and D and E and Z and Z2. It's only when you come to him empty that God can fill you. It's only when you come to him desperate at the end of your rope that God then can move on your behalf. God today says, not how full are you, but ask yourself how empty you are. Stand with me this morning. Here's what I want us to do. I want to pray for two different, different groups of people today. Okay, I want, I want to, number one, I want to pray for those of you that are here, those of you watching online, that you come in and like this widow, you're empty. Like this widow, you're broken, you're hurting, you don't know what to do, you don't know, you don't know how you're going to make it. You've been looking for answers and you can't find them. If you're here and you can, you can understand that, you can empathize with that widow this morning, then I want to pray for you. Pray that God would fill you. His provision would meet you in your place of desperation. The Bible says that he meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And it's not just financial needs, it's not just material needs, but it's physical needs, it's relational needs, it's, it's needs in our minds and needs in our hearts. Whatever need you have, there's no need too small or no need too great. If you're here today and you're empty and, and you need God to move and you need God to fill you, I want to pray for you. And then 
for those of you that come in and this message may not be an encouraging message because you need to be filled, but maybe it's a challenging message because you come in already full. And there are things that you need to empty yourself of. I wanna pray for you as well. This morning, if you're here and you would be honest enough and vulnerable enough and transparent enough just to say, Pastor John, I'm, I'm empty today. I'm like that widow. I need God to move in my life. Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand? Here's, can I do this? Can I invite the prayer team? Prayer team, would you come down here? And I just want us to take a moment and be able to minister to you this morning. If you're out there and you have your hand raised and you say, I'm like that woman and, and, and I'm, I'm empty, I need God to move. Would you, would you be brave enough to step out of your seat and come down here and allow us just to pray with you and minister to you? Just right now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna count. I'm just gonna invite you to step out of your seat to take the next step. Like that woman with the issue of blood says she fought through the crowd because she knew if she could just touch Jesus that everything would be different. If you raised your hand, you said, I'm empty today. Would you step out of your seat? Would you come down here? Come on. There were more hands than that. If, if, if you want God to move on your behalf, if you're desperate enough, you'll do what it takes. Just come down here and find somebody to pray with. We just want to minister to you. Prayer team, just go ahead and ask them. Ask them how God can move. Ask them what they need. And pray the prayer of faith that God would move on their behalf. And for those of you that are still out there, I want to pray for you right now. Those of you that would say, Pastor John, I know that there's things in my life that I need to get rid of. And the Holy Spirit's been challenging me today. And I've been wanting God to move, but, but today I'm too, full of, I'm too full of pride. I'm too full of bitterness. I'm too full of unforgiveness. Or I'm too full of myself. If you're full of other things and you want to empty yourself of those things, would you raise your hand? Come on, raise it up and raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Many of us. In fact, I would venture to say if we were honest with ourselves, all of us today, could say there's something in me that I need to get rid of. Like John said, I must decrease so that he can increase. He can't increase in your life until you decrease. I want to pray for you today. Just lift it up, lift it high. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for those that are, are down here today that have, have pressed through the crowd, have gotten out of their place of comfort, out of their seat and, and have sought you and, and are crying out to you because they need you to move in their season of emptiness. God, they've come to you in desperation and said, God, if, if you don't move, I don't know what's gonna happen. The, the, the creditors are coming, the bank is calling and they're, they're taking everything from me. Lord, I pray that you would move on their behalf even right now. I thank you that the answer is on the way, that the provision is on the way. God, that, that what they need and then some is being released to them today. I pray peace in their minds and peace in their hearts and peace in their lives. I pray for financial situations that you would open up the windows of heaven. I pray for, for physical situations, Lord, that you would be the healer, Lord, that, that whatever they need you to be, you would show up exactly as that in their lives. And Lord, for those of us that are here today, that in, in honesty and transparency, we say, God, we are so full of other things. And we've been trying to fill our lives, maybe with good things, maybe not so good things, but they're not, they're not you things. Lord, today we empty ourselves. God, forgive us for being so full. Forgive us for being so full that we've, we've not allowed you room to move in our lives. 
that we have withheld your hand and we've withheld your favor and your grace because of the things that we have filled our hearts with. Today, God, we repent, we turn to you, we declare, Lord, that we, we lean not on our own understanding, but today and every day moving forward, may we acknowledge you in all of our ways so that we can walk in all of yours as you direct our paths. God, we empty ourselves out today, even as that woman poured out the little that she had. The miracle comes as we, as we pour out. So Lord, empty us. If there's anything that we've hidden from, from others, if there's anything we've been trying to keep hidden from you, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would shine a light in the corners of our lives, in those closets of our hearts that you would illuminate those things so that we might create more room for you. Yeah, we want you to move in our hearts. We want you to move in our homes. We want you to move in our city. We want you to move in our nation. God, we want you to move in our schools. We want you to move in our workplaces. God, forgive us for being so full of religion that we've not given you room to move. Lord, would you move in each and every one of our hearts and our lives? God, if you're looking for somewhere to start, start with us. Start it here, God. We love you. We thank you. Go with us this week as we continue to empty ourselves out. Thank you that you will continue to fill us. Lord, tomorrow when we get up, may we again empty ourselves out so that you can fill us. The next day when we get up, may we empty ourselves out so that you can fill us. That we would walk in the fullness and the freedom of the life that you've paid for us to live. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. If you're down here at the altar and you're still praying, continue to pray. If you're out there and you need prayer, you want somebody to agree with you, that's what we're here for. We'll remain here. If not, Feel free to be dismissed this morning. God bless you, church. Love you, church. We'll see you guys next week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.